In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we've heard the great commandment and an explanation by a parable, an application. Well, we can see that the parable in a moment is an application of how we are to fulfill the summation of all the commandments in this dialogue that our Lord has with this lawyer. That summation of the commandments is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And as the second part of it, and your neighbor as yourself. These two portions are deeply interrelated with one another. We can't truly love our neighbor without fulfilling the first. And if we truly love God in all of these ways, or through all of these ways, with all that we really, we could say is all that we are, then we will love our neighbor as well. But there is a distinction here, and it comes out in the parable, in the answer that our Lord gives to the lawyer's question after they have this exchange, and he says, you've answered rightly. The first, the loving of God, requires all that we are as human beings. And we give that back to God. All that we are. But to love your neighbor, as we will see in a moment, requires offering what we have for their healing. It's the difference between what it means to be a human being and giving of the things that we have for the sake of the good of the other. It's a synergy, we could say, a working together. That's what the word synergy means a working together of Christian devotion to God and charity supporting one another. So what does it mean? How do we know that we are making this distinction? It comes from Blessed Theophylact in his commentary that that first part of the commandment is all that we are. He points out that this is really, none of what he is pointing out really is within our control per se. It's what God has given to mankind. And he draws this by an analogy of the human body. Uh, this is what we are. We have strength and we have resilience in, mirrored in our body from the raw, unfeeling material that is on us, our hair and our nails. We have the impulse to grow and propagate like the plants. We have emotions and desires like the animals. In other words, within what we are and what God made us to be within our bodies, we reflect some aspect of the various and multitude portions of creation of God in our very bodily existence. But we haven't gotten to one of those things. What God gave us that is unique among creation is our mind. This part of us, many of the fathers point to as the clearest reflection of the image of God in man, because it's in the mind that we have the ability to reflect and understand the ways of God. It's not just instinct like the animals or the impulses of the plants to grow and propagate or, you know, the stones just there as the raw material of the earth, but it's with the mind that we understand our ability that is given to us by God and for us today, it's with our mind that we're able to actually understand the parable 
the story that our Lord gives to the lawyer and that we get to eavesdrop on today. With our mind, we can be renewed and grow into the image and likeness of the Holy Trinity to be able to understand how we can fulfill the commandment that he has given us, this summation of the commandments. So just as God gives us all that we are, he also teaches us how we can fulfill that second part. So let's begin where the lawyer began. Maybe our motivation might be a little different. He seems a little snarky to me. Who is my neighbor? Right? It seems like a very obvious question, especially when you know the etymology. What, where does the word neighbor come from? The meaning is almost self-evident in the question it is, in, in the question asked. Who is my neighbor? Neighbor, he asks. The meaning might be self-evident, but it's hard to swallow because of what it means that we have to go do. The Greek word that's used is plesios, and it has the literal meaning of the one who is next to me, the one who is close. The question then, who is my neighbor, kind of seems nonsensical. It's like saying, what's next to me? You can see, you can touch, you can feel it, right? And the word neighbor, even when we translate it out, coming from the German and then into the English, means the same thing, the one who is nigh to me. But our Lord doesn't answer in that way with the straightforward, it's the one that's next to you. He gives this parable, and this parable goes, makes us go deeper into this gospel. The parable is the answer, actually, to this lawyer's question. So when he gives this parable, we need to put on the eyes of the church, and we see when we put on the eyes of the church, we begin to have the mind of the church in looking at this, we can see what's called a typology, where the various characters in the parable mean something and they point to something more. So let's very quickly see what these things are pointing to. What are the elements? Who are these characters? And because when we understand in that way, we begin to understand how God works. That wounded man who is on the side of the road, who's been robbed and beaten, that's us. We are the wounded man on the side of the road, unable to help ourselves. This is especially important because in Great Lent, when we read the canon of Great Repentance, we are specifically identified as the wounded man in the parable. So there's no doubt there of what's going on. Secondly, the priest and the Levite who walk by, they point to the insufficiency to heal us by the law and the prophecy of the Old Testament. They alone are insufficient to grant real healing. And then the Samaritan who does come along and helps that wounded man, that's the Son of God himself who can and does restore the wounded. And then what does that Samaritan do? Because what he does also has a typology, a thing that it is pointing toward. He pours on oil and wine on the wounds of, the, of that man. It's sort of a emergence, an ancient world emergency care, right? He pours on oil and wine for cleansing and for a soothing balm. But what do these point to? The oil and wine of the sacraments of the church. Not just the immediate care there, but the sacraments of the church that are for the healing of soul and body in our life. Indeed, even in this one of our sacraments, the sacrament specifically for healing, holy unction, 
It's oil and wine that are consecrated and sanctified to be anointed on all of the faithful, directly pointing to this parable. But he doesn't just do that. He doesn't just pour on oil and wine and say, have a good day. He puts him on his own beast of burden and takes him to an inn. And the fathers of the church who take and look at this parable in this way, they identify that inn as the church itself. That inn where the Samaritan takes, who is, remember, the representative of the Son of God, takes and places that man within the inn, within the church. And then what does he do? He pays the innkeeper to keep up that care of this man so that he can go and journey to whatever other country the Samaritan was going to go to, whatever other thing. But he made sure that what was available would be that he made and gave of his own pocketbook, if you will. He gave his own coins to the innkeeper and said, whatever he needs, take care of it, and I will take up the last if there is more that is needed. And that innkeeper really is the ministry and the clergy of the church. So what we have here is a whole picture of the life of the church in the healing of mankind within this parable. We have a specific, particular application. The directness, right? The directness of taking care of the one who's in front of us as best as we can. Giving them something to eat. As I don't want to repeat Father John's homily from last week. That repeats all of it. That's what we need to do. But there's this other level that we are introduced to in this parable. An answer that is much deeper of how we are to love our neighbor, not just of their body and of a recognition of their dignity, but to guide them toward the good things of the church. This charity really is active love. So it does come in these two ways, by our almsgiving to the poor and our financial support perhaps of them, giving them something. But the Samaritan also took care of the wounded man's future needs. He continued and ensured that the healing would continue to take place in that person by paying the innkeeper and promising to cover all of those expenses. When we give as Christians, we always do so for the sake of the good end of our neighbors in all cases. We could even say that the care for the soul and the body is the reason that the church is here. This is the reason that our Lord established it and gave all of the sacraments to us. It is the storehouse of the healing of mankind. It is the inn where we can find our rest and be healed. And so, while we can give directly as each individual Christian, but we also give communally as the one body of Christ that is the church by offering the sacraments in and of this place. Because... It's important how our Lord phrases the commandment or how the answer is to who to love our neighbor. Often we forget that we are limited people. We can recognize the humanity of somebody sometimes easier when they're at a distance than when they're close. But our Lord is saying it's those who are close in recognizing their humanity and desiring their healing that is the most important. 
Because when we do that, that's where true love is there. And we can go even one step further. That if the Samaritan is the representative of the Son of God himself, what did the Son of God do? In some sense, we could say that God, in his infinite being, he's incomprehensible. We can think he's probably the furthest from us. But that's not how God left it. He came and became a neighbor. He became one of us by his divine incarnation. And he filled the church up with all of his substance, all that he had. Not just what he is, but what he also had to give. And he filled it up and gave us the ongoing care by his divine incarnation. So how do we join with this work? Because the parable ends, or rather, the reading ends, with the words, go and do likewise. So we're not supposed to just be in, like, in awe and do nothing at the end of this parable. We're supposed to pick up where the lesson leaves us and go and do the same thing. So though we are the wounded man, through and in the church, we can also be like the Samaritan. And we do that in those two ways, our almsgiving and in our giving in and through the innkeeper that is the church. When we give in that way, we're ensuring that the healing of mankind continues for our neighbor. There's a beautiful thing that many people who have been Orthodox Christians for a long time know in the bottom of their heart, in their guts, if you will, that wherever the church is located, there the community changes. There the grace begins to filter out into the world. But that takes our care, our going all in of saying, we desire the healing of this community here. Because we can't love people from a distance. We have to love them up close. And this is the incarnational continuation of our Lord in the church. In this place, in this time, he desires our healing. And so the church is the extension of all that the Samaritan did. Healing him in the moment and giving him of, we could say, the ongoing life through his care. And so we can take up that too. We can go and do likewise like the Samaritan. Care and ongoing stewardship. Ongoing things of the church saying we want to see our Lord move in this place. And so we will support that sacramental life, that encounter with God. So I'll end with this. Do you want to see your neighborhood transformed? Then give alms and give your tithe. They will heal the world and even your own soul as you become like the holy God who identifies himself with the Samaritan of this parable. So I encourage you all to treat all that you have in your talents, in your treasures, as what God has given to you so that you have the opportunity to grow in your likeness to himself. God made us and keeps us and he came and made himself one of us that we might become gods in his image. What you are, give to God. What you have, give and offer for the healing of your neighbor. 
through almsgiving, through your support of the church, through the work of Christ, the healing and reconciliation of man and God is able to take place. In this way, you can be like the Samaritan. You can be the support of the innkeeper of the parable and be truly imaging Christ and his church, offering the bombs and ointments, the sacred wine and oil of the sacraments for the healing of all of our neighbors. This is the great call. This is the deep meaning of this parable and how we can come alongside it. So may our Lord strengthen us and guide every single one of us to be like the Good Samaritan, to find our own healing, be healed by the Samaritan, and then grow in our likeness of God. Amen.